Hello and welcome to Tools in the Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that's caught our eye this week. I'm James, and with me is Marcus Crafty Craft. Hello. Who's been pondering tricked up utes and whether they're all they make out to be. And Andrew Chesto Chesterton. Podcasters. Who's been looking at domination of the automotive market. And we'll update you (laughs) on Silicon Valley's greatest carnival barker in this week's Musquatch. So stay with us. But first of all, happily, we have had some feedback. And one of our regulars is Hammer Rocks. Now, Richard last week called Hammer Rocks out as an industry, automotive industry insider. He did. Mm -hmm. Now, Hammer Rocks has come back to us and said he denies all that. Um, He is just a devotee of cars and motorsport. Are those those his exact words? No. Okay. Um, (laughs) He says um, if his vocabulary was broader and he was poetic and eloquent uh, like us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Chester. Thank you, Hammer. He would have been a motoring journalist. Mm. Uh, Says he can barely put a paragraph together, a claim he comprehensively blows away with the note that he sent to us. I thought it was a great paragraph. So He's a prolific writer, isn't he? You know, time enough if good enough. None of that's that's ever stopped me either. (laughs) (laughs) Now, he also weighs in on the Jeep Renegade one-star and cap uh, discussion that was had last week. Uh, the Wrangler. The, the Wrangler. bigger pardon, the Wrangler. Uh, Wrangler. Yeah, yeah. And he said, look, Jeep either needs better engineers or better software because, mm. yeah, you're going to know that your vehicle is going to score a one-star end cap because mm. you're simulating all of these crash tests multiple times mm-hmm. in very sophisticated computer programs. So how could you be surprised that you mm. end up with a one-star rating? Mm. Absolutely. Hence his point, you either need better engineers or better mm. software. But then he, he then kind of says, well, maybe uh, they've just got a really hot product and they know that it'll sell and uh, people will buy it regardless. Yeah, look, I don't think that came as a surprise to Jeep, to be honest. I think they knew yep. what was coming. But, you know, they yep. were. They said, to hear them say it, they're the sacrifices you make for a car with the capability of the Wrangler. And yep. to some extent, and, they've got a point. And I think, Crafty, last week, you made the point. It's a lifestyle choice, isn't it? it Absolutely, it's It's yeah. not typically a family car. No, it's, no, it's, no. it's got a, sp- a specific purpose in mind yeah, and in yeah, life. it's got a street sort of cachet, street so, cred or whatever, mm, yeah. I Absolutely. think, to Hammer Rocks' point, there probably was um, a, a decision made, mm. you know, oh, yeah, a kind yeah, of pragmatic on, decision about on, where it's going to sit on yeah. safety relative yeah. to its overall appeal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think uh, Jeep will be that worried about it sort of impacting sales yeah. at all. Well, on yeah. that for a moment, it's actually, from memory, the fastest selling Jeep product in more than a decade, I think, in wow. the States. So yeah. their pre-orders yeah. were through the roof. Yeah. The first month yeah. of sales was staggering. Well, for one thing, I'm looking forward to driving the Gladiator. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I just think that would yeah. be huge fun. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Huge. Huge fun. Um, now, we had another piece of feedback from Jacob Matthew, not Matthews, Jacob Matthew, and he fired up a great discussion with Robert Green and Hammer Rocks on the greenness of EVs. Now, we've probably okay. all had this same discussion. So he talked about pollution at source of vehicle production, like how are the actual cars, yeah. be they electric or petrol engine or whatever, how are they put together, what powers the factory, you know, mm. all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and electricity production, solar, wind or coal, you know, what, what goes into the production of the electricity. We've covered that ground a lot. Mm-hmm. But also the materials used to create batteries and the process of their manufacture, you know, yep. that they're not necessarily the cleanest thing in the world no. to put together. You're talking yeah. cobalt. You're talking delicate substances like Absolutely. lithium that are typically mm-hmm. mined from um, environmentally sensitive areas. Mm-hmm. Um, really great conversation. It's on the bottom of uh, episode 85 in YouTube if you mm-hmm. want to join in. Um, it's a very good one. And what it takes to produce an internal combustion engine, iron ore, bauxite, the smelting, 
what runs the smelter that yeah. you know melts yeah. all the yeah. metal <laughs> and and Hammer Rocks put it best at the end when he said this is a rabbit hole yeah. that that you could go very deep into oh, as absolutely. to getting to the source and an, an overall equation in terms of whether a car is environmentally friendly or Absolutely. Not. It's such a right. difficult one. And how prolific is uh, Hammer Rocks? Oh, well, well done. It's well like done. he's in the room. He's everywhere. <laughs> if actually, if Hammer Rocks could just drop us a portrait, we'll make yeah. sure that he's um, up on the wall so yeah. everyone can have a look. Maybe he's always first reader guest. Exactly. He's <laughs> always hanging outside my house too. I don't oh. know why. He's just in the bushes? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, <laughs> that's Richard Berry, I think, actually, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you for the feedback, and uh, that's all terrific, and please keep it, keep it coming. It's great. Now, Crafty, we will move on to your subject du jour, uh, which is trick, tricked up utes, and you've been pondering them and, and oh, their worth. Oh, mate, how many of them are there around? I mean, and the and the range of them is 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 so massive. I'm, I mean, the volume of them. I mean, you've got Hilux, great ute, yep, by itself. Yes. Now we've got the Rogue and the Rugged mm. and the Rugged X and all these. Am, sort of am things. I the only one that's a little bit kind of not in love with those names? Yeah, yeah, I, Ro- well, like a Rogue, yeah, and and actually calling a car. Rugged. rugged. Yeah. It's yeah. like if you if you call yourself rugged, <laughs> yeah. you know you're not. Like, yeah. Oh mate, I, look, I'm a mountain climber. Yeah. I'm a tough outdoors <laughs> right. kind of person. No, it's you, like giving no, yourself not. a nickname, isn't it? Like it is. It's, it's yeah. not so good. Mind you, it worked for Ferrari with the super fast, didn't it? They sort of stuck it <laughs> <a bit laughs> there That's on true. the box. Pretty, pretty literal or, too. Or yeah. The Ferrari. The Ferrari. Yeah. Ferrari. Yeah, Ferrari the Ferrari. Now my my sort of bone of contention with these things, I guess, JC, is that some of them are essentially sticker packs. Some of them will just have a nice bit of lettering on the side or, you know, a little bit of a colour contrast on the bonnet, some sort of racing stripe bloody mm. format, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, some of them are a bit of a, uh, a bit more of a substantial change to the original platform. Yep. Uh, some of them, you know, like the like the wild track we were talking about earlier. Yep. Uh, the interior is a lot nicer right. than sort of lower models, uh, yes. lower spec models, that sort of thing. But some of them are really just accessorised version. You could go do your own research and buy yeah. your own aftermarket gear mm. and yeah. perhaps get out of it a little bit cheaper. Yes. But I guess the attraction is you're buying something straight out of the showroom that is according it's to, all done. to the it's, it's, all, it's all done and it's yeah. ready to go off road. I suppose it's just a, and it looks nice. It's an understandable byproduct of the you know spectacular growth in the mm. popularity of Utes that mm. that the brands are almost trying to catch up. Yeah, like yeah, okay, yeah. there's things like the Ranger Raptor yeah. and they're they're a big project. Yeah. But also, how can we keep this momentum going? Exactly. So what, yeah. what are we going to do? Exactly. They've become yeah. an almost luxury item, haven't they? So yeah. yeah. It's a premium premium yeah. product. Did you see the BT50 Boss the released Boss, this yeah, week? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to climb into that in the next week or two and, and take that on some Which, which for what it's stuff. worth, I mean, um, various Cars Guide contributors, uh, Mark Osler, who mm. who looks after a lot of commercial stuff and the Tradie Guide and, and what have stuff, you, yep. he's of the mind that it's improved it enormously. That yeah. just those graphics on the outside of the vehicle yeah. have changed its proportions and the weight of various aspects yeah. visually. This yeah. is the Mazda specifically. The Mazda, yeah, yeah. and thinks yeah. it's improved it a lot. So, yeah, okay. you know, fair call. Yeah, and you see with uh, things like the Raptor, I mean, that's that's got Fox Racing shocks. Mm. The suspension is tuned differently to, to, a, to you know, to another Ford range that you'd climb into lower spec. Yeah. Uh, so those sort of things are substantial. Yes. But again, there are a lot of things that just seem to be, you know, someone's thrown a, a couple of stickers on. And, well, I mean... And it looks nice. Maybe it's got bigger rims or so maybe yeah. it's more suited to urban life than it mm. is to going Traditionally, so. what we'd call a sticker pack or a limited edition 
has been a sign of distress. Yeah, like we, we, we've got yeah. to get rid of these. Yeah, you know, yeah. How, what are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, throw some stickers on it. Yeah. Call yeah. it the getaway. And, Dress you know, it up. Yeah. Whoop, yeah. Out they yeah. go. Yeah. Um, and maybe knock a bit off the price. Yeah. I think this is slightly different. I think the scales are tipped differently. This is let's keep this going. Yeah. It's yeah. not distress. Let's build it up. Yeah. Can we do yeah. to, to you, broaden the, the net? You know. Absolutely. And you can't blame them. I mean, no. why not? I mean, like Chesto says, these things are are, are selling in a, in, in a mentor fashion. Yeah. Like yeah. Loads of them. You know, you go anywhere. Tradies, sort of. Yes. You know, weekend warriors, families, families mm. in dual cab utes, they're everywhere. Now, the weekend warriors, are they are they people who are just uh, sitting at home uh, gnawing their fingernails? I think you did say weekend warriors there. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. Yeah, they're, they're, they're worried about uh, where they're going to go camping. Well, well, yeah, that's right. We, we bought some uh, very well-priced furniture on eBay and uh-huh. went to pick it up in mm. a Ranger. Yep. And it was the first time that I'd really used the tray in a Ranger and I realised how limited it was. Mm. Like, we've got the stuff in there, but you look at it and think, yeah, it'll probably fit. Oh, it was yeah. absolutely line yeah. ball. Yeah. So yeah. there's a compromise there. You get your big dual cab and you can fit the family in when you need to. But mm. as a working vehicle, it does compromise things. Yeah, absolutely. Plus the idea of just throwing things in the back too. You know, remember when, when youths were merely workhorses and yeah. you'd throw tools and yeah. things in the back, yeah, no yeah, problem. Yeah. Now you feel like you need to put Ooh. down a little sheet first. You've got to have the, the, you've got to have the bed liner. You know? You've got to yeah, protect exactly. it all. I've got a, I've got a 10-year-old Navarra and I'll tell you what, that thing's been 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 beaten to all sorts of it's uh, been crafted you know, it's it's it's, it's black been and, yeah, it's, it's been, been crafted yeah. but it's um and the and the, and the joy there is i don't have to worry no. about scratching something or damage because yeah. it's already been been beaten up but yeah absolutely mm. and i mean also with you always use, covers, you also use that as a getaway vehicle oh yeah absolutely, i mean it's yeah. it's fairly yeah. incognito you're supposed to keep that quiet yeah, yeah. So, that's, oh sorry yeah. that's yeah. the white bronco isn't it <laughs> I think I saw footage of that once. Yeah, <laughs> with Lone Wolf McQuaid written on the on the bonnet. Yes, uh, yeah. So I mean, some of them again, pretty substantial. Yeah, and worth the money. Yeah, some of the others maybe not. And it'd I be mean, great to hear from people listening absolutely. or watching. You know, whether they've purchased one of these, whether they're in a wild track, or they've had their uh, eyebrows raised by the BT50 boss, and yep. what they yeah, make of that. It'd be yeah. great to hear what people make of it. But wouldn't uh, automotive manufacturers be rubbing their hands together with glee over these expensive utes because they're still quite cheap to build? Utes. Oh yeah. yeah. So yes. you throw a few stickers at it, put a nice yeah. stereo, yep. and it's some nicer seat trim. Yep. Suddenly you're selling it for sixty, sixty-five thousand. Exactly. 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 Yeah. During the week, um, yeah. you know, we reported that BMW is now officially said, no, nah, we, we don't want a ute. We're not going yeah. to match Mercedes-Benz on that score. But others, like Kia, is just champing at the bit. Yeah. You know, they can't yeah. wait to Absolutely. get a ute yeah. into the market. Yeah. And that brand uh, would be crying out for it. You oh, know, yeah. it's, Same it's with Hyundai. Good Hyundai, reputation. Yeah. Yeah. Completely yeah. missing from the commercial yeah. lineup yeah. there. Can I say one last thing on utes before we, before we move on? I think if BMW says they don't want a Ute, mm. to be honest with you, I think Mercedes Commercial is probably thinking the same thing about now. Yeah, there, there is plenty yeah. of talk about that this will be the last X-Class, that the yeah. deal with Nissan is, has either come yeah. to an end or is yeah. soon expiring. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the, the world of German premium Utes will soon be a thing of the past. You heard it okay. here first, Interesting. Folks. Mark down this day. <laughs> and, if you read, exactly. and if you read any of my reviews on carsguide.com.au, I've, I've, I've sort of been quite... Of, uh, that, of that mind? Of the X-Class, yeah. Of, yeah. of all spec levels, um, we've not had totally fantastic experiences no, in them, okay. uh, off-road and on-road, and especially in terms of build quality. And then, as I uh, recall, you weren't side. thrilled by the interior either. That didn't no, measure up for, yeah. for a yeah, vehicle of that price. We've had a couple of reviews. No, not at all. And if I if I was a, a, a Merc-loving 
vehicle buyer. Yep. I'd be sorely disappointed if yep. I was to climb into one of those things, having pre-ordered it, and you climb in and the glove box comes off in your hand. Well, and I, the seats I, are pretty ordinary, and you know, I don't know about you guys. Like I haven't seen many. I mean, you, you do spot one occasionally, but um, they're no, not exactly thick on the ground. You do not see many no. here. No. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. Thank you, Crafty. That's sparked up a good dis- uh, good discussion. Hopefully, people will join in. And Chesto, now we'll we'll go to you, and. As, it, as happens each month, the new car sales or new vehicle registration uh, numbers have actually come out, and it's a crack record, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's the same story at the top of the table each month. Absolutely. So, look, just a broader view of it for a moment. Look, the Australian car market is struggling a little bit. Almost, It's down on almost all metrics, has been now for, for consecutive months on end. Uh, but the interesting thing about last month's results, I thought, was that clear in second position was Mazda with 8,578 sales. Clear in third position was Hyundai with 8,106 sales. Add those two together, you get 16,684 sales. Right. Now, the amazing thing about that is that number one on the list, Toyota, sold 18,820 cars by itself <laughs> in May. More than So if you add second and third together, yeah. you still can't touch Toyota. Yeah. Their market dominance in this country is absolutely unbelievable. I think it was M4, um, wrote, uh, Matty Campbell wrote a story where uh, Toyota Hybrid is 12th in the market. Mm. You know, yeah, just, yeah, just, the, right. just the hybrids that they sell. That's absolutely yeah. right. So, But it does lead me to a fairly obvious question, and that is why. Mm-hmm. And so let me start by saying this. Until very recently, Toyota's dominance here surprised me a lot because when I thought about it, when I really broke it down, I couldn't think of one market segment in which I thought Toyota had the best product. Mm-hmm. Not one. Yeah. From small yeah. cars yeah. through to commercials, I yep. thought there was a better product from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And yet Toyota... Hands down, best-selling car brand every time. Now, that is changing a lot now. Their products have gotten a lot better. There's a new platform that's making things more exciting and more engaging to drive. But they just have this legacy of success. I reckon, Chester, you shouldn't underestimate how many car buyers do want that white box on wheels, A to B reliability. They want a brand that's trustworthy. They're not necessarily fussed Mm. about, you know, uh, dynamic performance and, and design kind of interest. I was exposed to some uh, qualitative research where the group that I was watching were asked to liken Australia's big banks to car brands. Mm. And you had things like Macquarie Bank being Lexus. Mm. And you had the Commonwealth Bank was actually a 1970s Kingswood. (laughs) (laughs) It was really instructive. But ANZ was Toyota in that it had a quality offering in every segment. You know, every kind of bank product you wanted. They had one. Yep. It may not be the best in the market, but they were there right across the whole thing and people kind of gravitated towards them because of that. So I think Toyota was an early niche filler. Yeah. You know, we've yeah. now got brands madly filling in little niches. Toyota did that a long time That's ago. That's right. And they've had a very broad offering for decades. And, and I think and sorry, I think, crafting. sorry, mate. I think they established that very early on. Yeah. But perhaps now the other car makers are chipping away at that and have been in the last five or ten years. Because mm. a lot of anecdotal evidence, uh, admittedly anecdotal, uh, to me, suggests that they have major issues with after-sales service. All right. Uh, mm. As well as reliability, which is, you know, yep. people have always said, oh, Toyota, so reliable, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can drive it everywhere for, you know, 15, 20 years without doing anything to it. But the things that I've heard suggest otherwise. And really? I mean, increasingly, I, I have, have sort of uh, campsite, uh, campfire side chats with people and they... Yeah. Are yeah. they real people or just the imaginary people? No, no, it's, just, it's just me. Um, just you yeah, and your, it's, your it's, friend. It's me on, it's me on Tinder. <laughs> it's me on Tinder. So. <laughs> but, the, but Crafty, it's interesting you mentioned that because I was down in Tassie just uh, last week 
And it's North Queensland and Tasmania. We were joking about how many 70 series Land Cruisers we saw on the road. Yeah, there it's are like, a lot. It's like playing Spoto, but for Land Cruisers. <laughs> yeah. And you, the points rack up. Yeah, you know, yeah, there there are a lot of them. Oh, so they're everywhere. They're, Absolutely. You, you do become yeah. too focused on, on the cities and what have you. But yeah. Toyota has that whole breadth of the country. Oh, they've got the appeal. country. Yeah, they've got the country well and, 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 and The, the other factories in the office just the other day, we were looking at various automotive brands advertising media spends and how it breaks down between different channels, mm. you know, mm. online and TV, radio, outdoor, etc. Toyota's is pretty much in line with its sales. It ah. outspends other big brands. Yeah. I think Holden was, was second and Mazda was kind of there. Just massively outspent. So their mm. share of voice out there um, in the commercial market is also enormous. Is there value just to legacy as well, do you think? So I have a, a, a theory in Australia, right, that we have 50 or 60 car brands for sale here. Now, I actually don't think that's true. I think if you really look at it, we've actually got about 12 that people mm. buy in any yeah. in any real yeah. number. The rest are all just furfies and outliers, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, And that's in the city, right? But mm. the further out of the urban centre you go, the further to the bush, those numbers drop, drop, drop. Oh, yeah. and eventually yeah. you find there's one, maybe one and a half. Yeah. All Toyotas and then a yep. handful of Nissans. Pretty you much, go out yeah. far enough, yep. right? Yep. And I think part of that at least is that think about how many Toyota parts must be spread across the oh, street. Yeah. Yeah. How much service knowledge there yeah. is, how many mechanics yeah. know how to work on them. No matter where you go, that legacy yeah. of success means yeah. that there are Toyota parts and skills That's everywhere. true. Absolutely. And the other, yeah. the other thing to recognise is that in the 1950s and 60s, Toyota was the icebreaker in terms of export from Japan and Australia was that kind of test market. Mm. And the whole Snowy Mountains Hydro scheme played a part there, that Leslie Teese brought in some, I, I think they were land cruisers to, to work on that project and all of a sudden Toyota cars were being imported into Australia and they set up a dealer network, they were way ahead of the game and they do have that flavour of being kind of a local brand yeah. almost, yeah. you know, that yeah. but people have known it for so long uh, and their deal network has been established for so long. They've got that momentum. Absolutely. That's, you know, number one has its own momentum and they've played it very it well. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let me look to the future for just a moment. That's the past. Let's look to the future for a sec. So, I prefer to live in the past. No, okay. <laughs> I don't sure. even like okay. the present. So, uh, so Toyota has had all this unbelievable success, really with product that I think we all agree wasn't all that flash at times sure. compared to some competitors. Now, we are entering an era now, though, where Toyota's cars are really battling for the number one spot in a lot of segments. So C- the CHR's very good, the Corolla's mm. very good, even the Camry's very good, a sentence I never thought I'd yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And then at the, end of, at the end of this year, they're going to start rolling out Apple CarPlay and Android Auto across their wow. cars, so the technology's finally so up to date. Lots more hybrids. Yep. Lots yep. more hybrids coming on board. Hybrids are really gathering steam in Australia. So if they've had this much success, with fairly ordinary product, God, what is the future look like for Toyota? It'll be interesting. Where will we be next year? Well, I mean, their competitors, um, you know, lower as they are, also have terrific product. Yeah, absolutely. So the whole game steps up as it inevitably does over time. But you're right. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the market wrap. Very good. Okay. (laughs) That's fantastic, Chesto. And please, people listening and, and watching, join in. Love to hear your thoughts on Toyota's dominance and what's created, what you make of it. But we are going to move closer to home. We're going to move to our garage and what has been in it during this week. And uh, Chesto, we're headed down the barrel of some controversy here. You have been driving... I have been driving the Suzuki Jimny. Jimny. And now yep. I know, I know more about the Jimny. <laughs> but bear with me because I have a slightly different view. Now, I know this rattles some feathers, ruffles some feathers, I should say, in the car. You can rattle feathers, I suppose. Uh, it just doesn't them. make much noise. Well, it'll yeah. certainly rattle Mal's feathers. My feathers are certainly rattled. Yeah. So our uh, fearless leader, Mr. Flynn, is, is a big fan of the Jimny, as, as are lots of people Loves in the office. The, he takes the bandage from the tattoo off in <laughs> yeah, about 48 that's hours. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to go, I'm going to say this now. We're talking about the, the world car of the year, urban. 
Suburban Car of the Year, and I spent a week with it not so long ago. I don't get it. You don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Now, is this specifically as, you know, its Urban Car yes. Award would imply? So driving it in the city? Correct. Yeah. I did not venture off-road. It was the manual, which I think is probably the better gearbox for that engine. Pretty pretty good box, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I just, I don't know. I don't, the well, hype's not there. I don't it's get not it. A, it's I don't not an urban it. vehicle. Right. I mean, that, that, that sort of, that amazes me. Uh, because any time in and around a city or even in suburbia, and you soon realise it's it's not meant, and that's not the way they couch the thing. That's not you know that's not what they're selling it as. Mm, they're yes. selling it as a genuine off roader, and it is pretty good off road. Yeah, so. the fun, the enjoyment I've had is just the novelty. Yeah. you know that yeah. the design of it, the interior, and uh, you know. That would wear off yes. uh, over time. So there's a lot of hype about, oh, isn't it different? Doesn't it look cute? And look at the interior. Um, so there's that's it for me. Yeah. I haven't driven it extensively. I've got to tell yet. you, it wore off by about the first traffic light for me. <laughs> not least of which because... 150 metres yeah, down correct. the road. <laughs> but mine was also painted, and I'm going to try and not be offensive here, podcast world, but, but mine was painted this, this yellow colour, which can really only be described as sort of a, a post-barocco... Baby, baby poo yellow? More huh? of a post-barocco wee kind oh, of yellow. Okay. Oh. You know? <laughs> Like just bursting out of the road. Oh, and, nice. Well, that was probably yeah. a bad turn to, to phrase there, actually. Anyway, <laughs> but for me... That out. <laughs> Does it smell as bad as it smells? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so my yeah. point is this, though. That colour scheme in a car that already turns heads, that people already want yeah. to look at, to me, I, I just felt like I was on show the entire yep. time. And uh, I don't mind that in a car where the performance matches that in a way, you know, in an M3 or something, you know, you, you feel like, okay, well, this is a car that deserves to turn heads. But in this For little sure. chimney, I, I just, yeah. I don't know. I don't get Great. it. Great. Okay. I think a lot of, sorry, mate, can I no, just no, dive in it. quickly? Yeah. Uh, I think the problem with the chimney, uh, not that it has many problems because I quite enjoy the thing, but certainly not as an urban driver. The thing is people have got sort of overwhelmed by their hearts, by, by sentimentality, you know, recalling the past. And so people have gone a bit over the top mm. doling out awards to this thing. Um, it probably doesn't deserve as many as, as it's got because there are problems with it. Uh, but but sort of, yeah, yeah. I think I think people have got a bit too emotional about it all. Yeah. Um, like I say, it is good off-road. Yeah. Uh, there are problems. Like you can't, um, when you hit uh, sort of 30 k's in high range, it cuts back. Uh, you get traction control cutting in, which is a problem on beaches mm-hmm. when you're driving around. So those sort of things. But its size, its dimensions, just the fact that it's a little sort of boxy thing right. and it's got that sort of old, yes. old school charm, you know, all, but th- all that's this, pretty. But this is two worlds colliding. Yes. You know, Crafty, yeah. you are the off-highway man, yeah. and Chester, you're an inner-city uh, creature. Yep. So, yeah, two different perspectives, and we'd love to hear yours too. <laughs> Crafty the... got to be the off-highway man, <laughs> and I got to be a creature. <laughs> you're a creature. How <laughs> did that work out? Oh, maybe the wrong word. <laughs> Urchin. You got to say post-Baraka wee, mate. So yeah, that's so fine, you, fair you enough. True. <laughs> now, I'll just briefly touch on the car that I've driven uh, this week. It was a launch, so it kind of flies in the face of the in-garage thing a little bit, but... The Volkswagen Touareg, I think it's really quite important. Um, It's around $90,000 as a launch edition, five-seater, large SUV, big three-litre turbo diesel engine, and just full of fruit. And it's on this uh, new MLB Evo platform Mm -hmm. that Audi has the Q7 on, and there's the Porsche Cayenne, Bentley Bentayga, Lamborghini Urus. All the VW Group SUVs Mm. are on this same platform, Mm -hmm. and it's transformed that car. It is so beautifully comfortable. Um, and dynamically really great and great value for money. The only thing is it has a Volkswagen badge on the front, yeah. which, you know, and time will tell yeah. how many people go for that because it is an appreciable saving yeah. over something like 
a big well the the Q7 for yeah, a starter. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. not much headroom yeah. between it and the lower end of, of the not Q7. Much, not much difference. Yeah. So, no, okay. this again uh, exposes my complete lack of research, which has become something of a trend for me in here. But <laughs> where does the pricing start for that new? That's it. It's one model to start with. Okay, but before the end of the year, so it's ninety grand 90 before grand. you put it okay. on the road, and there'll be one below it, and there'll be one above okay. it, probably with the same engine before the the year's out. Okay. So I just wanted to say to uh, Chesto is releasing his autobiography later this month, and it's called Complete Lack of Research. <laughs> I, I look forward to reading it. It's, it's, actually, what, it's a one-pager. <laughs> getting it off my chest, um, Anyhow, we, we will now, speaking of getting it off our chestos, uh, we will now move to everybody's favourite segment, Musk Watch. Now, what I would like to do is just dive in a little bit mm. to what I consider to be a classic case study in ideas versus reality. And in having a look at this, which is the Hyperloop, you know, so it's an idea that Elon Musk had in about 2013. Not the first person to come up with this idea, but just basically a tube underground with a bullet-like passenger vehicle shooting through it. Mm. So uh, you, the idea is you... Reach, it's an underground train. We'll so get, like a Eurostar? We'll, no, no, no. It's fast. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's super fast. You reduce the pressure in by, by okay. creating a semi-vacuum in there. Mm-hmm. So there's very little air resistance. You have a maglev kind of setup and air propulsion. So it, it runs on these kind of magnetic rails, but nothing touches anything. And whooshka, off you go. So the idea was San Francisco to LA on a loop. You know, 30 minutes or something, you can do that. Big, big, big dreams. Make Chesto's uh, life a whole lot easier because he spends so much time over there. The idea was that it would be open sourced so anyone could come in with their ideas and improve on it Mm -hmm. as as time went by. So you get pods down this tube. Um, Now, they're air-bearing skis and uh, up to 1,220 kilometres an hour. So that's not hanging around. Pretty quick. Now, you'd have immunity to weather, collision-free, twice the speed of a plane, low power consumption, and energy storage for 24-hour operations. So sure. you wouldn't have to worry about weather or any of that kind of stuff. So reasonable goals then. That then, <laughs> that then morphed uh, a few years ago into something, because that's, that just didn't get there. Yeah. But, well, that's no surprise. But, it, but it, look, yeah. it has fired off this kind of uh, Hyperloop frenzy. And like Virgin is, is into it. They're doing their own kind of loop thing. Yep. But Elon Musk has, has veered away slightly. And there's one in Dubai, I think, being built at the moment too, but not, yeah. not attached oh, really? to not attached That's to right. So, so it did fire up some interest, but not in this particular one. Mm. The, the Elon Musk-style uh, Hyperloop morphed into kind of electrified skates where you, your car, your Tesla, comes down from surface level <laughs> on a lift and joins yeah. up on this skate oh, for wow. frictionless movement and, and alleged greater flexibility in the system. Mm-hmm. Okay? So then... Uh, a 1.8-kilometre-hour test tunnel in LA was built by the boring company. So Elon Musk's boring company uh, dug that tunnel. And they had some demonstrations about six months ago of a Model X with some guide wheels, some horizontal guide wheels at the front, going down this tunnel Mm. at about 80 kilometres an hour, and it was extraordinarily bumpy, Mm. right? So everyone that tried it out just said, it's slow and bumpy, what's going on? Where are these skates and skids Mm. and all of this seamless movement? And Elon Musk said, look, all that bumpiness will go, it'll be like glass, don't worry about it. 
And what's happened in the interim... <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, ...is that a video appeared where it was a race from two destinations within LA, uh-huh. um, one above the ground, one below. So this car descends on this really clunky kind of mm. old yeah. elevator mm. down to some... The, the test Go tunnel. with a sort of hand... It's a hamster yeah. wheel. Like a dumb waiter, basically. <laughs> it's yeah. about 50 hamsters dumb getting waiter, it down yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and it's only a four-minute journey anyway, but it knocks some time off that. But it goes 200 kilometres an hour underground mm. because it's been paved. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Is that it? That's it. That's the product. No magic skates. Nope. No, no skates. No. So, no. Um, you know, on Twitter, uh, a Twitter user, Eddie Kuo, said, why abandon the original idea of sleds? And Elon said, this is simple and just works. Yeah. Okay, so um, Aaron Gordon at Jalopnik, shout out to them, had a fantastic story and he summarised it this way. Yes, for those keeping score, in a mere two years, we've gone from a futuristic vision of electric skates zooming around a variety of vehicles in a network of underground tunnels to, and I cannot stress this enough, a very small paved tunnel that can fit one car. Yeah, (laughs) and in which, if I'm reading this right, in which... The, that car is wearing rubber tyres, yeah. which yeah. connect to a pavement yeah. and drive Absolutely. through the tunnel. Well, a Jalopnik, the first piece of feedback <laughs> on that Jalopnik story was classic. How long before they decide the pavement is liable to potholing and rutting and invent some sort of extruded steel sections for the vehicle to run on to ensure the vehicles have a smoother, longer-lasting track to yeah. travel on? Yeah. Seems logical to me. He's, he's built an anyway, underground monorail. Look, there's, a, there's, a, there's an engineering term in looking at all this that I became familiar with, and it's called AMFM, mm. and engineers use it occasionally, apparently. And AM stands for actual machines, oh. right? And, and the FM, FM stands for effing magic. Yeah. So, so often, people need... Actual machines. Yeah. What yeah. they get is these dreams, which yeah. is effing magic. Yeah. And this is a, I reckon it's a textbook case. So easy to sell the dream. Yeah. Now, basically. look, yeah. the other one we'll touch on briefly is satellites. Mm. So in the world of the dear leader, SpaceX has launched the first 60 <laughs> of its long-awaited satellite constellation called Starlink. All right. So this is to bring internet to the world. Okay. This is the dream. So when once you're up there in space... Everyone can get access to the web. So this is the first 60. There are currently, I read, somewhere, somewhere between 200 to 400 satellites orbiting the Earth, all up, right hey, now. Yeah, About 600 k's above our heads, right now they're circulating. Um, and it's the same altitude for this Starlink constitution. Um, what's happened already is that it's kind of photobombing the sky, <laughs> that there's such brightness from these satellites. Yeah, yeah. You can see them tracking yeah. um, in the night sky, by the way. Yeah. And it's stuffing up observational astronomy. Yeah. So people looking through their telescopes are going, look, there's just all this brightness. It's very <laughs> hard to see what I'm Absolutely. looking at. Yeah. Um, so Musk would like to turn what will ultimately be 400, that 400 that's out there into 12,000. It's ridiculous. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, more so he's more ta- lights in the sky that aren't stars. Good. Now, yeah. his, his vision may be a positive one. He wants to bring the web to the world. But he's wrecking our sky. Yeah, mm. it belongs to all of us, yeah. and he's just kind of doing this stuff. Yeah. What an alarming thought, too, that if we ever are visited by aliens, the very first thing they encounter might be something from Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> they will have already gone past his flying cars somewhere past the moon. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, that's right. Starman, yeah. wall of satellites. Yeah, with ground control to Major Tom still yeah. just blaring out of Wait, this little be speaker. Ripping a quick U-turn and heading straight <laughs> back to where they But then, came from. in terms of Tesla, the share price is currently just above two hundred dollars, two hundred and six. That's up. From 185 last yeah, week. Yeah, very low last um, week. 
But June 3rd, it got down to 179. Uh, so uh, it, it has been down there and smoothed out. The share price has fallen around 40% this year yeah, so far. Yeah. So it is on a downward trend. We've had a little tick up in the last week, but it is very much on a downward oh, so the, trend. The 200 plus is still 40% down from its peak. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah absolutely. Jeez. Because if you remember last year, the call of, oh, I'll take it private yeah. at 420 bucks. Uh, the share price was just nudging up to 400 yep. So now we're at 200 Yeah, Goodness gracious. Um, so look, there it is. That's Muskwatch for yet another week. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, with that, I think we've reached the finish line. Uh, thank you, Crafty. No problem. Thank you, Chester. Thank you, James. And thanks to our producer, Rosie, who has done a brilliant job behind the scenes. Good on you, Rosie. Thank you, You can Rosie. join the conversation by searching for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram using the hashtag CGPodcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. You can listen to and watch us on YouTube, so jump into the comments with our regulars and be heard. If you're enjoying Tools in the Shed, please let other people know about it. Please rate and review us on iTunes as well. It it helps other people find the podcast. Until next week, a mate of mine was at a car showroom on the weekend and said to the salesperson, my friend Tomo would like to talk to you about the AU Falcon in the window. To which the salesperson said, we don't have an AU Falcon in the window. My mate said, you do now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, James. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) Thank you, ball boys. Thank you, linesmen.